welcome to Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture with me, your host, Estherini. On this week's episode, I'll be talking about the Armenian Genocide. Hi friends and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Without the Footnotes, Not Your Typical Holocaust Lecture. Congratulations to everyone, we are finally in a post-Trump world. We are around a week into the new administration, seen some great things already starting to happen. The, um, the Muslim ban has been ended, they've halted the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline, which is a huge win for indigenous communities that have been fighting against that for a long time. And also ending, amongst other, th- other things, obviously, um, ending the construction of the border wall with Mexico which is awesome but I think we can all agree that the real winner in all of this has been Bernie and his and his mittens and all the memes that I've been seeing it's just been amazing and he's also he's turned that meme into I think it's a sweatshirt at the moment and also a sticker and a hundred percent of the money that is paid for either of those things is given directly to charities in Vermont, I think. So if anyone is actually thinking of getting any Bernie merchandise, it's such a weird thing, I think, to think about that uh, politicians have their own merch. But anyway, um, yeah, go and buy that and all of the all of the proceeds go to charity, which is just awesome. And I, I just love the fact that he... He is an elected official and he's clearly got bants. So, yeah. Politics can be fun sometimes, apparently. Um, But yeah, so this week I'm going to be talking about the Armenian genocide. So, as I said last week, like the next, this next series will be focusing, like putting a spotlight on different genocides that have happened kind of over the last century and yeah so that's what I'll be talking about today I did just want to mention that on Wednesday it's actually International Holocaust Memorial Day so the 27th of January actually marks the the date that Auschwitz was liberated so when the Russians actually got to Auschwitz and yeah liberated it so on Wednesday There should be quite a lot of things going on, quite a lot of virtual events. So you can look up like your local Holocaust museum or even like internationally famous ones like Yad Vashem or the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. The Wiener Library in London perhaps might be doing something. Um, But I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of events in, I don't know, maybe Instagram lives or Facebook lives. So I would encourage you to have a little Google or or whatever your preferred search engine is and just see if there's any local events or if there's, you know, something a bit bigger that you can get involved in. Um, I know usually that there is a memorial service in the UK. I I can't remember what the name of the hall is that it's usually at. It's usually in in London and I think they televise it. So, yeah, worth taking a look um, just to commemorate and, um, yeah, uh, remember the victims of the Holocaust, if you are interested in that. Um, So, yeah, I think that's that's all I've got to say in the intro for this week. So (laughs) let's just crack on with the episode.
Okay, so everybody's settled in, everybody comfortable, here we go. So the Armenian genocide is often referred to as the first genocide of the, 21st, of the 20th century, sorry, because it happened whilst the world was embarking on its first world war. So it's actually a genocide that was committed against the Armenian population of the then Ottoman Empire between 1915 and 1923. Just FYI, the Ottoman Empire empire was a was an empire created by turkish tribes that existed for about 600 years and grew to be one of the most powerful states in the world in the 15th and 16th centuries it controlled most of central and southeast europe western asia parts of eastern europe the caucasus the north and the horn of africa so it was a very very powerful um state huge <laughs> um so at the beginning of the century so the beginning of the 20th 20th century there are around two million armenians living in the ottoman empire and by 1922 23 there were fewer than 400,000. so it's thought that around 1.5 million armenians were murdered killed um during this time so why was this genocide perpetrated against the Armenians? Well, the Turks that ruled the Ottoman Empire practiced Islam and were, Muslim, and were therefore Muslim. And the Armenians were a Christian minority within the empire. So being non-Muslim, they were often referred to as second-class citizens and that's often how they lived so they would pay discriminatory taxes they weren't allowed to participate in government and they were subject to legal restrictions in terms of safeguarding um now armenian communities were also scattered throughout the ottoman empire so this also complicated their status as territorially Armenia was divided between the Ottomans and the Russians and also there were Armenian communities throughout the empire the, throughout the Ottom Ottoman Empire so as this empire rapidly declined at the end of the 19th century basically losing virtually all of its land in Europe and Africa ethnic tensions were then magnified due to the political and economic pressures that were arising because of this decline. So basically, as all this was going on, the Armenians wanted to p participate and be represented in the government, which they, ha up until this point, were being denied. And you might think it's, it's not that big of an ask, but as the Turks were Muslim, they'd never shared this power and they wanted it to stay that way. So because of these rising tensions and the the loss of territory that was happening, in 1908, a new political group actually revolted against the current government and seized power. And they were the Committee of Union, uh, sorry, the Committee of Union and Progress, the CUP, who were also known as the Young Turks. So ideologically, the Young Turks were ultra-nationalist and wanted to form an exclusively Turkish state and they wanted to expand they wanted to expand this state into other regions inhabited by turkic people so in the russian empire and they also strove for the empire to be homogeneously turkish so this is where all the trouble starts because if you want certain territory to be homogen homogeneously all one people then 
obviously minority groups are going to be targeted for some kind of either ethnic cleansing or worse. So when World War One started, the Young Turks, along with Germany and Austria-Hungary, formed the Triple Alliance and declared war on Russia, Great Britain, France and Serbia. And it was under the cover of war that genocide was perpetrated against the Armenian population. So in April 1915... This is how it all begins. So 240 Armenian leaders were rounded up in Constantinople and deported to the east. And the government claimed, so it's the Young Turks at this time, claimed that Armenian revolutionaries were conspiring with the enemy. So if you remember, I said that um, Armenians wanted representation in government. So the way that the current government... um, justified rounding up these leaders these Armenian leaders was to say that they were actually um, planning to revolt against um, against them with um, the enemy which was Russia Great Britain France and Serbia Um, so when they were confronted actually by the United States which was neutral at this point they just the young Turks just said that it was just a precautionary measure and not to worry about it basically so These deportations, these initial deportations, which was of the Armenian leaders, were then expanded a month later to include civilians. And it was Armenian civilians initially from six predominantly Armenian provinces. And they were forced on marches, basically, just to march from their homes to holding camps in the deserts of east east and northern Syria, northern Saudi Arabia and Iraq. So these deportations started in six provinces, but it did end up that from eventually all areas of the empire, Armenians were being forced onto these marches to towards the deserts um, to be held there. So alongside these mass deportations, um, they are also referred to as death marches because the survival, like it, it... they weren't designed for you to like survive the journey. There was no there was no food or anything provided for you. You just left out in the elements. Um, I mean, you're literally walking from your home towards a desert. So, um, yeah, in hindsight, they are also known as death marches. But alongside these deportations, there were massacres in the form of mass shootings. And this was facilitated by regional officials, military and security organisations and civilians also joined in. In particular, the targets were men who were of fighting age and alongside women and children. So there was a large incentive for civilians to collaborate with authorities forcing these people on these deportation marches because they would often benefit from the redistribution of their neighbours' properties. So quite often when we think about genocide or when we're learning about it, we find it quite quite difficult to understand how the this kind of violence can be perpetrated against people. But they're usually like with collaboration especially if you have mass deportations of people we do also have to think about what is actually left behind so people are leaving their entire lives that they've built and and this is entire communities of people so if you imagine like your neighborhood if half of your neighborhood suddenly left what that would free up for you in terms of maybe 
you could acquire a bigger apartment or assets it's 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 quite a strange thing to think about how you could just go from being neighbors with someone to just watching them be deported by the government but quite often there is a benefit to you know not speaking out against any of the things going on because you might have actually you might have something to gain for yourself so as well as this so as well as these massacres um when Armenians were forced on these deportation marches they were quite often robbed they would be stripped completely of their belongings even down to their clothes so they'd be left naked out in just out in their elements women women and girls were abducted people were raped tortured and also murdered meaning hundreds of thousands of people died before they ever reached the holding camps in the desert and vast numbers died of starvation disease exposure and of course dehydration many people were tormented and killed by local officials civilians criminal gangs and 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 things and the like so as you can imagine the conditions of these marches were absolutely horrific and it did actually it did mean that some people resorted to suicide whilst because they just didn't want to endure this anymore um it was also mandated that the population levels of armenians when they were being moved to these new deportation zones had to be of a certain percent so this would usually be somewhere between two and ten percent of the the local population and the settlements would be were to be limited to 50 families only so of course with these measures and these restrictions this meant that in order for the local authorities of these deportation zones in order for them to adhere to this like and this came from the government people were moved from place to place constantly and they were continuously being exposed to extreme conditions and maltreatment so just because you were being resettled somewhere else did not mean that that would be your permanent place and there were no absolute there was absolutely no safeguarding of these people whilst this was going on so just truly horrific for the Armenians all around really and another element to this genocide was the assimilation of children so even though a lot of children were murdered there was also um they would also sometimes be taken to be converted to islam and then assimilated into turkic culture basically so that's another dimension of the genocide that you have this whole generation of children that have now just been assimilated into islam and obviously as they get older they forget or they may not even remember their roots or that they're armenian at all so that was another that's another element to this genocide now of course the term genocide as we know didn't exist at the time that the armenians were suffering this persecution however it has been agreed that the young turks were using the emergency of war to intentionally intentionally and systematically carry out what was to be a long-term population change that actually strengthened the Muslim Turkish community and this was done by weakening the Armenian Christian population and also ethnically cleansing the empire of their presence as far as possible. 
You might be thinking, how do we know this? Well, the deportations were really well documented, not only by the Young Turks, but also by the Armenians themselves. And there is also evidence that the French, German, Austrian and the British all documented what was what was happening with these um, deportations. And there was also widespread outrage at what was going on. It's also known that the coordination of the genocide came from the highest levels of government with the Minister of the Interior, the Minister of War, the Field Director for director for special organization and the leader of the demographic of demographic planning all giving orders on how it should be carried out so this genocide just like the holocaust is really well documented so we're able to come to that conclusion that it was all intentional because we have the evidence so resistance to these deportations was infrequent although some armenian communities did manage to do so so they did manage to successfully resist but it was usually only with outside help that they could escape persecution in the u.s there was a huge relief effort led by american ambassador henry mordenthal mordenthal i don't know how to say his name he and what he did he actually raised awareness and a lot of money in order to aid the armenians eventually saving tens of thousands of lives and post-war being able to provide aid to the Armenians who were basically just left to settle where they have where they had been deported to so this aid came in the form of medical clinics refugee camps education educational facilities and things like that so post-war around 400 officials who were involved in this genocide in perpetrating this genocide were arrested and charged with a multitude of crimes because as we know genocide wasn't a crime in international law at that time they nobody even had an idea of the concept Raphael Lemkin actually studied what happened to the Armenians in order to get to the concept of genocide Um, and so they were charged with a multitude of of crimes including conducting a war of aggression which you can look up what that definition is with the ICC and conspiring to liquidate the Armenian population so there we have it the even though we didn't have the terminology of genocide liquidating the Armenian population uh, sounds you know pretty close to what genocide actually is um so some of these officials were convicted however even though the war had ended in 1918 there continued to be expulsions and massacres of the Armenian people right up until 1923 so the three main leaders of the CUP were tried and were condemned to death but All of them fled abroad to evade justice. However, the Minister of the Interior, who was known as the main architect of the Armenian Genocide, was, fun fact for you, assassinated here in Berlin in 1921. So he'd been hiding out here and someone came and like found out someone came assassinated him and the German courts actually acquitted the person that did it because they pled in insanity at the time so um for the most part though justice has actually been evaded and when Turkey was declared a republic in 1923 
the restitution and resettlement of Armenian survivors was all but forgotten about. So this actually leads us up until today. So this is how this genocide is still actually a contemporary issue because this genocide was actually pretty successful. Armenian presence has all been has all but been eliminated in Turkey. Populations of historic Armenia have been destroyed and forced into exile in the diaspora. And since then, Turkey has absolved, absolved, oh, can I say that word? Absolved itself from any accountability and has actually consistently denied that a genocide was ever perpetrated against the Armenians. And if we go back to what our understanding of genocide is and how it's perpetrated, denial is a key element in a successful genocide, in my opinion, because if you deny it ever happened, you never have to be held accountable for it and you know what's to stop you doing it again if you see you've got away for, uh, got away with it once so that's the armenian genocide in a kind of nutshell um armenians actually commemorate the genocide on the 24th of april um as this day marks the day that it all started with the deportations of the armenian officials so there you have it One of the main reasons that I actually chose this genocide to talk about is because this denial of the Armenian genocide is still going on today and the Armenian community are still fighting for their recognition. And I think I mentioned this this in the first episode, first ever ever episode of the podcast, but that podcast, (laughs) can't speak. Um, Currently, there is a conflict taking place between Armenia and Azerbaijan over Artsakh I don't know if I've said that correctly which is historically Armenian land and this was given to Azerbaijan by the Soviet Union many many years ago and a war already broke out broke out over this territory in 1993 and the conflict is somewhat resuming now and I think it's important to take notes of the repercussions repercussions of genocide and what that can look like as not only are the Armenians fighting for the genocide to be recognized but the tensions between communities still exist today and I think that has a lot to do with the international community not only failing in some cases to recognize what was done to the Armenian people but the fact that no real reconciliation or reparation process was gone through And the Armenians, of course, still have their historical ties to certain lands. And ultimately, what do we know about territory that can cause conflict? So even though it was a it was a genocide that was perpetrated at the beginning of the last century and it might seem like, oh, okay, well, enough time has passed and we we can just look at this as a historical event, very much a contemporary issue and yeah, as I said, the Armenian community are still fighting to this day to be recognised and, and and to have what happened to them recognised. But it's all politics, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, so what can we do? What's the call to action this week? Well, maybe we can think of ways that we can stand in solidarity with the Armenian community. Um, 
maybe mark down the 24th of April in your diaries and set yourself a bit of a reminder. And then I'm sure as it gets closer to that date, there will be more more awareness being raised around the topic. And maybe you can see how you can get involved with um, charity or NGO work and and even just commemorating the victims of the genocide would would uh, and raising awareness about it would give would just show that uh, the Armenian community that like we do recognize we do recognize it and um, yeah can't always just be left up to politicians to do the right thing eh um, so that is it for this week. There's no recommended reading. I'm giving you all a break. If you do want to read more about the Armenian genocide, there are loads of resources online about it. It is a well-documented genocide. And with that being said, I am signing off for this week. I hope you will all join me next week. Please rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends or on your social media channels um don't forget about holocaust international holocaust memorial day wednesday the 27th light a candle do something um check out stuff that's going on online and as ever if you have any questions or you want me to point you in the right directions for resources and stuff to read and and stuff like that Either send me a DM on Instagram at without the footnotes or email me at info at without the footnotes.org and I'll be happy to get back to you. Okay, cool. So I will catch you next week. Ciao.